in your Bible to the book of uh, 1 Kings this morning, if you would please. 1 Kings 15, please, just a minute this morning. I thought I'd just read you a verse of scripture out of 1 Kings 15. And I want to read just one verse, verse 5. Because David did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord and turned not aside from anything that he commanded him all the days of his life, save only in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. Wouldn't it be nice to have a testimony like David down to the comma where it says save only. I would dare say that all of us here today has a save only time in our life. It's always easy to point at somebody else's save only and say, well, I wouldn't do that. No, but you'd do something else. What happened because of David's save only experience in his life? Now, I'm not going into the problem, the sin and so forth. And you know David, the king, man after God's own heart, fell into sin and uh, got in trouble, tried to hide it. Because of that, he sent another man to his death, tried to cover it up. Now I read for you one verse out of Psalms 51 and verse 12. David's save only moment in his life. Psalms 51 and verse 12. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. David said this statement, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. David said, It is God's salvation, but it is our joy. Now watch this. This is a smile. Do you see many of those lately? Is your joy gone? Whatever happened to the joy of God's people? I know what happened to David's, his save only moment in his life robbed him of all the joy 
that God had given him. David said somewhere, somehow, somewhere along the line, I have lost all the joy of being saved. You see more enthusiasm at an opening of an umbrella than you do in the average Baptist church anymore. Amen. We drag in, we plop down, we sleep, we get up, smooth out, and go home. We come mad, leave glad, and hope we can get mad before we come back so we can get glad again. Could I ask you a question, please, in these next few moments? Is it possible... To be a Christian and be unhappy. Is it possible to be a Christian and be insecure, fearful, discontent, unfulfilled while searching for life's meaning in all the wrong places? I just wonder, is that possible? David is saying, somewhere, and he'll be reminded of where it is. See, nine months before this, David has been reminded by the prophet Nathan, thou art the man. For nine months, David's sin has been eaten at the core of his soul. For nine months, when David goes to bed at night, sleep evades. For nine months, David's been trying to be a king while wrestling with guilt and a broken heart and conscience and severed from his fellowship with God. For nine months, everybody's been telling him, David, you need to go see a counselor. For nine months, David's been wrestling with this thing. For nine months, David has probably came to the same conclusion as many Christians have. And maybe David has the same testimony like many of us. And church has become a drudgery. Maybe to some of us like David, serving God is only a memory, something we used to do. Now we're going to let the old, our young folk do it. Perhaps... In the soul of souls, David, joy had escaped and left. And now all he has left, bless your heart, is just memories of enthusiasm and wonder why only the new Christians has any. Maybe like David, most Christians Enjoyment is found in secular and not the spiritual. Hunting and fishing and camping and pleasures of man's making. And please, I put a footnote. I'm not condemning the need of these. I'm just warning the saints they can become very dangerous if we're not careful. And we can slight God and forget God, become comfortable. And I'm just saying, David has come to a place in his life 
where he says, I'll tell you, I don't know whether it's worth it or not. My joy is gone. I just need to have my joy returned. And now maybe to some of us, sacrifices attending three services a week. If your joy is gone, possibly maybe soul winning is what a peculiar few are called to do, not us. How do we know if our joy is gone? When we're looking at the wristwatch when the preacher's preaching, said, my God, is he ever going to quit? Church becomes a drudgery instead of an exciting thing to do. And if all of this has taken place, if service has become a byword to us, and if enthusiasm is something only the young folk have, and if these things are possible, maybe David's solution for this kind of morbid, cold, empty, dry, and boring Christianity. Maybe his answer is found in Psalm 51 where he says, have mercy, verse one, have mercy on me, O God, according to thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Notice he said in verse 1, my problem is not my self-esteem. My problem is not that I'm of the wrong race. My problem is not that I have not been educated. My problem is my transgression. You see that? Maybe if we have become lackadaisical, comfortable and useless to the service of God, maybe we ought to try David's pattern of restoration. Maybe we ought to go to a spiritual God to meet a spiritual need. Notice in verse 1, Lord, blot out my transgressions. Verse 2, wash me thoroughly from what? My iniquity. Verse 2, cleanse me from my sin. David, what's your problem? Is it your job? Could it be you're married to the wrong woman? Could it be you've got too many kids? No, my problem is my joy is gone and it's because of my transgressions, my iniquity, and my sin. It's nobody's fault you are where you are, but you. David could have blamed circumstance. He could have blamed Bathsheba and said, shalt not have been taking a bath that time of day. Or she should have been, have her clothes on, taking a bath. Not my fault that I was looking at showtime and HBO and B-U-L-L. Verse 7, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Verse 9, hide thy face from my sins. Verse 10, clean, create in me a clean heart. David's serious about this thing. He's wanting the joy of the Lord back. Verse 10, renew a right spirit 
within me. Hey, you ever, ever have a bad spirit around the house? You ever walk in your house and, and, and the atmosphere was just so thick you could cut you out a hunt and throw the dog and he ate on it for a while? You know, we Christians, we don't argue. We just don't talk. You okay? But I'm too good a Christian to argue. I'm just going to make you miserable and give you the silent treatment. You know what causes a bad spirit? A bad heart. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. And then he really is down to the business and restore. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. David's repentant prayer is speaking none, nothing less than he needed complete renewal, a complete restoration, and an old-fashioned revival deep down in his soul. His joy was gone. What happened to your joy? I can't even get you to smile by telling you jokes. David recognized the source of his problem. Notice in verse 10, create in me a clean heart. He had a heart problem. Huh? He had a heart problem. Not an emotional problem. He had a heart problem. And the Bible says Jesus recognized that, said out of the heart proceeded evil thoughts and murders and thefts and so forth and so on. And these are the things that defile a man. And you see, he had a heart problem and that produced a spirit problem. David could have gone to seek a counselor but you know what they'll tell you? Take three of these, come back tomorrow. Spiritual problems always affect emotional problems. You cannot fix a spiritual problem with an emotional means. You cannot fix what's wrong with you by sitting down to somebody and saying, feed fivefold fun. I might as well talk to you about Humpty Dumpty falling off the wall. If your problem is spiritual, and more than likely, you've got a whatsoever time in your life. Just look back. Somewhere along, if your smile is gone, sin is hiding someplace in the cupboard. You say, well, I don't sin, but you lie. Notice what he said. David could have gone to a counselor, but the counselor couldn't help. Spiritual problems always affect the emotion problems. He had a heart problem that produced a spirit problem that resulted in a sinful, joy-robbing, sinful problem. You see, if you don't get anything out of my preaching, it's not my preaching. I'm sorry, I've been doing it for 50 years, it ain't got any better, and I hope it ain't getting any worse. And the same guy yelling at you this morning, the same guy yelling at you when you come in here and felt like you fell out of heaven when you hit this place. 
and you walked out with honey all over your head and said, dear God, I've been to Canaan. If your joy is gone, don't look at me. It ain't my fault. David didn't blame Uriah. David didn't blame Bathsheba. David didn't blame anybody. David said, bless God, it's my sin. It's my iniquity. It's my transgressions. And I want to deal with them because I'm tired of this wore out, morbid, cold, dry, dead, ridiculous religion. It's hard to get all them R's in there when you're getting real excited. Are you listening to me? I jotted down two things. I don't know if these are original or not, but they are as far as I know. How foolish to forsake a life of peace for a moment's pleasure. How foolish. How foolish it is to wash out completely. Another thing. How foolish it is to be physical fit to become a spiritual misfit. If we were as interested with the soul as we are with jumping jacks, leaping jennies, food diets, intake, calories, fat, or whatever it is. If you could just get peace within your heart, it might fix a whole lot what's wrong with you on the outside. Amen. You say, what do you know about it? Nothing. I've just been around 79 years goofing around. Let me tell you what I have learned or am learning. It is a joy to be saved. Do you know how many hangovers I had since I've been saved? Not I. You know how many top bunks I have not fallen out of trying to put my foot on the floor when the bed starts spinning? Nada. You know how many times I've been whooped in a fist fight since I've been saved? Nada. You know how many people I've hurt physically since I've been saved? Nada. Can't say that back before I was saved. It's a joy. Did you hear me? It's a joy. From toenail to ball head. It's a joy to be saved. It's a joy to be saved at 26. It's a joy to be saved at 79. And if I make it, it'll be joy to be saved when I'm 80. And I'll tell you what, I don't want anything to steal the joy that I have with my Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to tell you a story just like I heard it. That way, if somebody says that's wrong, I heard it wrong. We have a missionary at our church by the name of Lanny Ashcraft. I've been to the mission field with his daddy. 
And I've been to the mission field with Lanny. Lanny was one of the greatest missionaries out in the bush that I've ever seen in my life. I used to take uh, young people, lots of young people, take them to Monterey, Mexico, and uh, take them down there and keep them awake and take them out into the villages and we'd pass out tracks and we'd have a service and Brother Lanny would put the screen up and show the movie and folks would just come by the throngs to be saved. They really would. We used to take old school buses down there. And you could always tell when we went anywhere because you could find us by the buses we had left along the road trying to get to where we're going and we just picked them up on the way back. Watch it. You thought it was going to fall on you, didn't you? He was not going to help me get out of the way, keep me hitting him. I, boy, that is really a staff worker, right? I took a group of teenagers down to old Mexico, had a, had a bus, had it plumb full. I don't know how many we had. And uh, got way up in the mountains, way up in the mountains. And the fan belt broke. Way up in the mountains of Mexico. What do you do in old Mexico when your fan belt breaks in a truck? And so I just got back on the bus and I said, and you girls here having a nylon hose on? A little girl, Linda Collins, said, Preacher, I've got some nylons. I said, get them off. I need them. She said, what? I said, just take your nylon holes off. Get them off. I need them right now. Well, she said, where? I said, that's your problem. I just need the hose. So she got off the bus, went around the bus, went over there and began to take those holes off. She didn't know the little Spanish boy up there keeping sheep watching her take them off. I didn't tell her that. That's for the next verse, right? And I took those nylon holes and wrapped them real tight, put them around that, all those pulleys. And I got the bus back down uh, to, the, to the mission station. And that night I took the heads off. We did a head job on it. We put a head, head gas and brought it back home. And uh, everything was all right. But I, I've seen Lanny. And boy, he knows how to do those missions. And one night, story like I heard it. A group of men came forward to get saved. Of course, they were dealt with and they were shown how to be saved, showed the Roman road and so forth and so on, explained to them. And after that, they all went back. Next night, had the same kind of service, showed the film, gave invitation. And boy, throngs of men came that night again. And within that bunch that came the second night was the same guy that came the first night. His name was Poncho. Does that surprise you? And the personal worker said, well, Poncho, I thought you came last night. He said, yes, sir, I did. He said, well, didn't you understand last night? He said, yes, sir, I did. He said, would you get saved last night? He said, yes, sir, I did. The worker said, well, why did you come tonight then, Poncho? He said, because it felt so good last night, I wanted to do it again. It's a joy to be saved. And if you don't have that joy, either you've got sin in your life or you're not saved. Notice what David said, return. Return. I used to have it. It's gone. It's gone. And I miss it. My shout is gone. My smile is gone. 
My song is gone. My hope is gone. It's gone. It's gone. And I know what happened to it. It's gone. And I want it back. I'm not worried about embarrassment, David said. I'm not worried about what somebody says. I want the joy of God's salvation back. I want the shout back. I want the laugh back. I want the smile back. I want the song back. I want the step back. I want it back and I'll do anything I can to get the joy of God's salvation back. Jesus had something to say about joy. He sent out 70 apostles. Do you remember 70 soul winners, 70 preachers, and they went out and they came back in Luke chapter number 10 and said, Lord, we're so happy and we're rejoicing and we're filled with joy because even the demons and the evil spirits are subject unto us. And Jesus said, marvel not, rejoice not because the demons are subject unto thee, but rejoice because your name is written in heaven. Rejoice, bless God, because your name is written in heaven. Is your name written in heaven? May I ask you today. And if it is, you've got something to rejoice about. Oh, the Bible is filled with joy. Peter spoke of joy unspeakable and full of glory. Yes, John wrote that your joy might be full. Jesus' will for every Christian is that my joy may remain in you. David had previously said, in thy presence is joy forevermore. Amen. And Nehemiah said, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And great apostle Paul in summing up his life said that I might finish my course. You know what with? With joy. Man, I've been in the ministry so long now. I think, I, I don't even know if I surrendered or if I just volunteered. But it gets gooder and gooder as the days go by. Preacher, are you going to retire? Not unless I get retarded. I don't see retirement in the Bible. When I start hurting more than I'm helping, I might sit down for a minute. But it gets gooder and gooder and gooder all the time. Folks, the joy of the Lord don't have to wear off. It's there. But then I see, oh, how dreadful it is. It's possible to lose not your salvation but the joy of thy salvation you know where it'll show up first in your face you know I had a family leave our church one time because I was preaching to his face I said well that's about the only part of your anatomy I can see what else would you like me to preach to Where'd your joy go? Where'd your joy go? Was it worth it? Well, preacher, you know what time it is? 
Yeah? Where'd your joy go? David was told nine months previous he's in trouble. But David's a king. David's bull of the woods. David's number uno. David get away with it. No judicial system going to take care of David. But there's a judicial system higher than the king. And he works on the inside. Where'd you go? Where'd joy go? Because it's possible to lose the joy that only God can give. He knew the price of unconfessed sin because he said in verse 3, I acknowledge my problem. That's what's wrong with us. We don't want to acknowledge that we blew it because we like blowing it. We like what we're doing. And we're satisfied with this morbid, silent, cold, fundamental Christianity. See, folks who have the joy of the Lord can't hardly wait till they get back on Sunday night. And they're looking, not looking for an excuse to miss Wednesday night. The joy. I just got two minutes. I'm on close. The Bible said in 2 Samuel eleven twenty seven, but the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. Now we come to Psalms 51 and somebody else is displeased and his name is David. What David did displeased the Lord. But what David didn't realize is what he's doing is going to displease a Christian. Because, could I please suggest to you that there's no joy for a Christian lying in Bathsheba's bed. Because David said, my sin is ever before me. There's no joy for a Christian living in Sodom. And we have it pumped into our living rooms day and night. They're trying to persuade our kids that it's all right to be sodomists. They're trying to do it. It's all around us. And I'll tell you one thing, if you're not careful, ladies and gentlemen, it will not be long until you be sympathetic with it and you'll be compromising with it and you'll be voting for it and pretty soon God will not be the only one that will be miserable. We who are participating in sodomy and the bedroom of somebody else's wife and it will be our misery 
not only God's hurt. David, what's your problem? Well, there's just no joy for a child of God in the belly of a fish. With seaweed wrapped around his neck. And every time that water came down the throat of that fish, old Jonah went down the rib cage of that fish. Bloop, 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 bloop. <laughs> Don't you know he had knots all over his head? And we go to Jonah and say, Jonah, what's happened? Well, I've lost the joy. I backslid. I'm out of the will of God. And I'll tell you, well, can you describe just how wonderful it is to be in that condition? Sure, it's like being in the belly of hell. No wonder you're not smiling. Cold, religious, empty, a shell of Christianity. There's no joy. David, how much joy do you think it is for a Christian? Eating the husk with the pigs of this world. Oh, the Bible said about the prodigal when he came to himself. Don't you think it's about time some of us came to ourselves and realized that all these, all these adventures and all of these successful things we're chasing and all of that. Don't you think it's about time we just said, God, why don't you take care of it? Why don't you just take care of it? Why don't I just lay down into your arms and let you take care of it? That way I don't have to start making excuses, preacher, why I can't come on Sunday night and why I don't come on Wednesday night. Is anybody here? Can I please share with you a problem out of the book of Isaiah, chapter 59 and verse 2. But, Your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid his face from you. And there went the joy. Because sin separates us from our Savior. And fellowship is broken and our joy leaves. It's a joy to be saved. Possible to lose it. But thank God it's possible to get it back. Read verse 1 through 12 of Psalms 51. And you'll see a king. A man after God's own heart. The writer of many psalms. The slayer of giants. The one who slew his ten thousands while Saul slew his thousands. You'll see that man recognizing his real problem. And it was not how his parents raised him. It was not psychological. It was not emotional. David said, what I need, Lord, is mercy. Mercy according to thy loving kindness. Blot out my transgressions. Eradicate all my iniquities and restore 
unto me the joy of thy salvation. You know what David's son said? Whosoever covereth his sins shall not prosper. But he that confesseth them shall find mercy. <laughs> Ain't you glad of mercy? Aren't you glad for mercy? I know you're glad for mercy. Pickett needs mercy. That's reading he married his wife. Don't we need mercy? Let me tell you what happened to your joy. Tell you what happened to David's. I found over there what happened to David's. Just go back, if you would please, to that save only moment in your life. And take care of that save only moment in your life. And God's grace will take care of the joy.